invite you as well to turn in your blue Psalter hymnals now to page 81. Page 81, your blue Psalter hymnals. As we come to Article 25 of the Belgic Confession of Faith, which deals with the abolishing of the ceremonial law. That's why we have the text we do from Hebrews chapter 10, which is where, by the way, if you noted, that uh, hymn we just sung is taken from, the fourth verse there. You'll recall that as we read that passage. Tonight, we're dealing with the abolishing of that ceremonial law. Together, we'll read all that's found there. It's a rather short article, but then I am going to continue on through uh, about the middle of the first sentence in Christ's intercession in the next uh, article, but I'll do that uh, on my own. But together, let's make this confession. We believe that the ceremonies and symbols of the law cease at the coming of Christ, and that all the shadows are accomplished, so that the use of them must be abolished among Christians. Yet the truth and substance of them remain with us in Jesus Christ, in whom they have their completion. In the meantime, we still use the testimonies taken out of the law and the prophets to confirm us in the doctrine of the gospel and to regulate our life in all honorableness to the glory of God according to his will. We believe that we have no access unto God, but alone through the only mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now let's turn in God's word to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be reading this evening the first 10 verses. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hear then God's breathed out word to us this evening. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form, of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me, in the scroll of the book. And when he said above, you have neither desired 
nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. As far as the reading of God's word, let's again bow in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for the lessons that we can learn. We know, Lord, that no amount of animal blood could ever clean our sins away, that only the blood of your Son sent to this earth can do that. And Lord, we thank you. We pray that you will give Pastor Bob deeper meaning and deeper wisdom in presenting these words to us. Open our hearts. Let these words sink in and take root so that we will be armed for those who in the future ask us the reason for our being who we are. Ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Two things we want to look at in regards to Hebrews chapter 10 and its relation then to the article that we read out of the Belgic Confession. And those two things are these. One, Christ's fulfillment. And secondly, Christ's priesthood. And we're only going to briefly touch upon Christ's priesthood because that is where that next article of the Belgic Confession goes. But I, I, I think it's good to tie the two of them together. And so I, I want to briefly touch upon that this evening. First of all, the, the idea behind that article in the Belgic Confession and that which is taking place here in Hebrews chapter 10 is the idea that all the Old Testament shadows of him, Christ, has fulfilled. There is not one thing that the Old Testament foreshadowed in regarding the coming of Christ that he has not fulfilled. It's important for us to be reminded of that. And, and let me remind you of that in a couple of ways. One, Hebrews 10.1 is saying that these were but shadows in place of the reality. The reality then coming to us in verses 9 and 10 that he did away with the first, the shadow, in order to establish the second, which is the reality. And by establishing the second, the reality of the coming of Jesus Christ, it is through that that we are sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. So even here in Hebrews 10, we're seeing that connection, that the shadows of the Old Testament are fulfilled in Christ. But well, keep your finger there. Go to Luke chapter 24. Listen to how Jesus himself expresses this. Luke 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, 
These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything, if you're in the habit of underlining things or making notes in your Bible, do that. In everything. Not just some things, not just part of what I taught or that which comes out of the Old Testament. Everything written about me. Where? Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is saying, this has happened. I have fulfilled all that Moses wrote. All that the prophets spoke about. All that is included in the Psalms. Everything finds its fulfillment in me. In Jesus Christ. We don't find the fulfillment of those shadows, of those types, anywhere else but in Christ. And because Christ has come... We should not make use of those shadows and types for that purpose. Now, keeping there, go to Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness To everyone who believes. He's the end. In other words, he is the goal. He is that for which the law was given. He has come and he has fulfilled all that was given there. Now you're back in Hebrews chapter 10. But we're actually going to Hebrews 9. But I got you back to to Hebrews. Verse 9, according to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. What is the time of reformation? Hebrews chapter 10 answers that question. The time of reformation is the coming of Christ. So from multiple places in the New Testament, we can look and we can say, yes, what was written in the Belgic Confession is true based upon Scripture that all of the shadows are fulfilled in Christ. Now what do we mean by all the shadows? What what is being referenced there, not only in Scripture but also in that article of the Belgic Confession. What is meant by that? Well, if you're following the notes, it would be letter B. The ceremonies and symbols that are attached to the Old Testament. And of course, that would raise the question, what ceremonies and what symbols of the Old Testament is Christ the fulfillment of? I'm indebted to... uh, uh, good commentator on uh, this particular uh, Belgic Confession uh, article, Dr. Uh, Kim Ritterbacher, 
who is uh, a pastor in a UCR, URC congregation out in California, um, has done tremendous work on this. He divides it in this way. This is the, this, and I think this is a helpful way for us to understand what it is that Christ has fulfilled. He has fulfilled all that the holy persons of the Old Testament represented. Who are the holy persons? The high priest, the priest, and the Levite. Christ has come and fulfilled all that those individuals who were called to a special office, special responsibility. The point is, the Levites were called to a special task. The priests were called to a special task. The high priest was called to a special task. That task was to be a shadow that pointed to the reality of Jesus Christ. And now that the reality has come, the shadow is no longer needed. Now I'll make this point later on, but I think it bears repeating here. We call no one priest. To do so says that the work of Christ is not completed. I know that's not meant, but that's what the passage is telling us. Christ fulfilled that. We don't need priests any longer. Because he is our only mediator. Because you see, that's what priest is. A priest is a mediator. A priest is an advocate. The very name would say, yes, I have Jesus Christ, but I got this guy down here on earth too. I need both. No, you don't. Christ and Christ alone is our priest. We don't need a special class of citizens called Levites. They're not needed. So I think in some respects... It was a very, it, it was a bad mistake that was made in former years to call ministers ministers or to call them dominis or to call them reverence. It is the idea that somehow they have been pulled out and have been given this special class. Christ fulfills those tasks. I'm not the shepherd of little farms. There is but one shepherd of little farms. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, we've made too much of titles, even within our Protestantism, because we've gone the line of academic degrees and titles and everything. I, I think that we, we border very closely sometimes on, on violating this principle that is laid down. If there are no more Levites, then there is no more special class of individuals outside of those that Christ himself has given. And that of elder and that of deacon within the church. Okay, holy people, holy persons have all are a shadow that have been fulfilled in the reality of Jesus Christ. What else? Holy places. The tabernacle. The temple. 
the holy of holies, the most holy place. These have all found their completion in Christ. They all pointed to Christ. Everything in that tabernacle, everything about that tabernacle pointed us to Christ. When Solomon builds the temple, everything of that temple pointed to Christ. When Christ dies upon the cross, the veil of the temple is rent, meaning this is no longer sacred territory. The holiness of God is no longer confined to a room. And access is not only just to a limited group of people. See, those were shadows. So to call a building, a temple, erected in Salt Lake City is a violation of this principle. That was but a shadow. You don't need shadows anymore. The reality is found in Christ. And I know some of you are thinking it, so I'll go down that path as well. We call this part of the building the sanctuary. I want to caution us, folks. That does not make this room holier than the narthex. It doesn't make this room any holier than the bathroom. It's a name we give to it. But it's not because it's that kind of special room. We could meet with God in the narthex. We don't have to be in here to worship. Now, I know we have to give it a name, so that's the name we choose, but just, just be careful that you, you don't bring it into the point of it becomes like the New Testament tabernacle or sanctuary. Christ has fulfilled the place. It pointed to him and he is the fulfillment of it. That's why in glory there is no temple. It's not needed. Why? Because it's Christ. Ceremonies and symbols. What has Christ fulfilled? Persons, places, things. See, the whole point of Hebrews chapter 10 is to say there's no longer a need for sacrifices. We can't offer the blood of bulls and goats any longer because it makes no sense to do so. Because those things never cleansed anybody's sin anyway. They only pointed to Christ's sacrifice. So we don't have goat sacrifices. We don't have sheep sacrifices. We don't offer turtle doves on an altar. We don't do that. In fact, we don't even have an altar. We don't need an altar. To have an altar in your church building would imply something still needs to die. Nothing needs to die. Christ died once for all. Those sacrifices are fulfilled. Altars, candlesticks, tables of showbread, food laws, cleansing laws. All of these holy things that, that God had given in his law were all there to point to Christ. 
Now that Christ has come as the fulfillment of those things, those things are no longer needed and no longer necessary for us to practice. Holy seasons is included in this as well. Passover, the various feasts, the unleavened bread, the trumpets, the Pentecost, the tabernacles, the day of atonement, the year of jubilee, a seventh day Sabbath. Is to say Christ did not come and fulfill. He came and fulfilled all the law, everything. He fulfilled the moral law. He fulfilled the ceremonial law. He fulfilled the civil law. It has all been fulfilled in Christ. Author of Hebrews isn't picking apart and saying, well, just some things here and there. No, it's the whole thing. It's all been fulfilled in Christ. So there is no longer any need to keep them, nor should we. What did the confession say? Abolish them. Be done with them. Remember, I've been telling you that, that all along here, uh, it, it's as if Debray uh, and, and the rest of uh, the folks of his congregation are, are simply stating their case for what they believe. But, but you've got to understand, once again, it, this is up against a, a Roman Catholic church. And if, if there is an article here in which they're going to read and look at and say, so you think we're wrong by having priests. Yes, Debray is saying you are wrong. We're wrong to have an altar. Yes. We're wrong to have the mass. Yes. We're wrong to have the Eucharist. Yes. Not just wrong. It's sin to do so. It is an affront to the work of Jesus Christ. And if it is an affront to the work of Christ, then it is certainly an affront to the Father who loved his Son so much that he gave him to us. By saying, oh, oh no, 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 we, we, we still need an altar. God is going, and what if my son? To confirm that, let me turn you to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, Paul is saying, don't start down that path. Don't start down the path of a slaverish view of God's law. That says, I must fulfill all of these aspects and we must continue to fulfill all of these aspects or there is no salvation. Don't go down the path. Or we could go to Colossians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 2. Verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. 
but the substance belongs to Christ. It says it all. The substance is Christ. We need nothing else than Christ. So, why when God gave us the word, why didn't he just say, you know what, you guys have been hanging on to this Old Testament for so long. In some dramatic fashion, why didn't God come to some New Testament author, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and say, here, I give you the vision of this scroll. And he takes the Old Testament part of the scroll and he rips it. And he says, see, you don't need it anymore. All you need is this. Now that's the mistake many make, isn't it? It's the mistake many make even in our day and age. Not only in the Bray's day and age. There were those who were saying, oh, we're just New Testament Christians. Now God gave us the whole of the word. And on the basis of it, I'd say the Old Testament seems to win out in terms of value. Why so much stuff if it's all been fulfilled in Christ? Why don't we just toss it away? Answer, because they serve a purpose. What's the purpose? They point us to Christ. See, if we understand the purpose, then we see the beauty. If we misapply the purpose, it's going to get really, really ugly. But when we see that that which God gave in the Old Testament is there to point us to the glory of his Son, and as I read through that Old Testament, I see Christ being revealed. We, we get a depth to our understanding, a depth to our knowledge. But it's not only Christ. It's the whole message of salvation. As we read through this, this law that God has given, we see the drastic need of our salvation. We see the failure of any one of those Old Testament sacrifices ever to free the person's conscience because they ought to do it again the next day if they sin. We see the drasticness of our sin in the sight of God. We also see that deliverer. We hear, we hear and see the message of salvation. And, and I know why they do it, and I, and I understand it, but there, there's always a part of me that's bothered when they say, well, we're going to this new tribe, and we're, we're, we're translating for them the, the gospel of Mark because, you know, that's where it really all comes down to. Really? Our understanding would be, you could translate Ecclesiastes and you're going to get to the same place, to the same person. 
You're going to get to Christ. If understood properly, if taught properly, that's where we go. So that's why the Belgic says we don't just toss this out. It has a purpose. It has a use. Points us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we study a Micah. Points us to Christ. See how it's done that in the last two weeks? Him as the shepherd. Him as the mountain. It points us to Christ. Oh, the beauty of that. But Hebrews chapter 10 is not only telling us about the fulfillment of the law. It is also telling us about Christ's priesthood. It's telling us about the priest that he is. Now, once again, there's more to come next week. So, so don't, don't judge all of the content here. But I want to lay before you simply three things. See... Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament. He now lays down his teaching. His teaching that says, look, I want to institute two sacraments. As your priest, I give you two sacraments. The basis for why we have those two sacraments is because Christ himself instituted them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I give to you that which I received from the Lord Jesus, that on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is for you. And then he took a cup after the supper, saying, this is a cup in the new covenant of my blood. Drink this. Did that come from the church? No. That come from Rome? No. Did that come from Debray? No. Did that come from some church council? No. That came from the high priest himself, Jesus Christ. He institutes this, fulfilling Passover, fulfilling feast of trumpets, fulfilling day of atonement. He now says, this is what you are to do. And all those laws about food and cleansing, this is what you are to do. Go ye into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is what you do. This is the washing. This is the cleansing. This is the water. I fulfilled that which you find in the Old Testament. You don't have to take water with the ashes of a red heifer and mix them together and then pour them over you. No, you don't need to do that. Just take water and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Christ institutes for us those things. Christ's priesthood is a priesthood that teaches. As a priest, he is to be a Levite. A Levite is a teacher. Christ is our teacher. He teaches us the day upon which we are to worship. He arises upon that day. He sends his spirit upon that day. He puts the words in the mouth of the apostle Paul. This is what the church does. Why? Because this is what 
Christ, the high priest, has called forth. Why do we keep the Ten Commandments? Because it's found in the Old Testament, given to us by Moses? No. Why? That law of Sinai, those Ten Commandments, were fulfilled by Christ. Who am I to think, oh, I'm going to fulfill those commandments? To what end? To what purpose? You say, well, we still talk about the moral law. Yes, why? Because Moses gave it on Mount Sinai? No. Because Christ gave it to us in the Gospels. Let me remind you, we use some of this sometime in our responsive reading. Jesus, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Luke 4 verse 8. John 4, 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus prayed and taught his disciples to pray, hallowed be your name. Mark chapter 2, 27 and 28, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, Matthew 15, 4. For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew 15, 19 through 20. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Luke 12, 15. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Why do we keep that moral law? Because Christ, the high priest, taught it. Because you see, if I just keep Moses' law, I'm not doing what Christ said. I must listen to Christ, not Moses. That's what Hebrews chapter 10 is about. That's what this whole thing is about. Christ is my high priest. Has the right to institute the sacraments that he calls us to. It is his right to teach God's moral law to us. Fuller, richer, deeper than was written on those tables of stone. And as my high priest, he continues to work. He is my continual intercessor. He is my perfect intercessor. And I need no other. Christ is the fulfillment. 
And as we reflect upon this for the next week, the Lord willing, we'll come to hear the passionate love of Christ in his work as our priest. Amen. Father, we come to you in this evening hour, hearing again from your word, reflecting upon uh, the teaching, not only here from Hebrews chapter 10, but from so many places in scripture. The reminder to us of the remarkable gift of Christ. For the remarkable love of Christ, that he came into this earth, to this place, took upon himself our human nature in order that he might fully accomplish all that the shadows pointed to. Father, what that means for us is the glorious hope of assurance that the work of our salvation has been done. What peace, what hope, Joy is ours. For we know the one who has fulfilled all that Moses, all that the prophets, and all that the Psalms spoke of him. As we leave, as we go to our work week, as we go to our homes, as we go about the busyness of life, may we remember that there is one standing before you continually who will never die, who will never cease, who offers a perfect plea for each one of us as a believer in Christ. In his name, God's people say, Amen.